Good evening. Welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us. Help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I'm your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and this is episode 172. The day is Wednesday. February 28th, year of our Lord, 2024. Caucuses were last night here in Minnesota. Uh, From what I hear, they went well. We'll see what the results were. But I I spoke at at, uh, SD45, which is Congressional District 3, uh, the Minnetonka, Minnetonka, Wyzetta, Hopkins, West Metro suburb. And the 800,000 or so votes that are in the the third congressional district, maybe about 500,000 votes, if I'm not mistaken, that are in the third congressional district are, are the swing uh, of the state. And, and increasingly over the last 20 years or so, the uh, an area that was more traditionally conservative or voted Republican, most likely for tax reasons, uh, has, has become liberal, blue. And as such, the Republican Party in these areas has also shifted to a more liberal perspective in the party, in in the party. But but it's 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 shown itself in the results of the election as well. And and again, whether the elections are rigged or not, and I think that there is definitely a lack of security in the elections from a practical standpoint. We don't even have to get specific, although if we get specific. Clearly, something went went wrong in a number of places in the election in 2022. I mean, in 2020, in in, in 2020, I'm sorry. Um, Maybe 2022 as well, the midterms, we don't know. Uh, And the simple fact that we can't even ask is a problem. And again, I spoke at the caucus last night to a a group of uh, Republicans, uh, you know, some some newly uh, involved from the caucus, some that that had been there before. And um, I had some very stern words for them. And I think we have a video of it. If not, then then what I'll do is I'll start to uh, film uh, a lot of these speeches that I'm going to start to give at, at different places around the state when I go speak to the Republican Party, to Republicans in the state of Minnesota. Um, and, and we'll be able to put that content up and we'll share it here on the podcast. But we'll also put it, the speeches up in their entirety on the Royce White USA uh, YouTube channel. And I had I had some very stern words. And... Um, you know, the, the message was simple. If we can at least ask the question, if our, if our elections are secure, if the expectation is that we shouldn't discuss the security of our elections, something's, something's terribly wrong. Something has gone gravely wrong. And that has become the expectation. And that expectation came down from the RNC. Let's be clear about it. The, the word from the RNC whether they want to say it publicly or not, and I know that they've said they're supporting Donald Trump now, and we're going to have turnover of the of the the the, the hierarchy there, and and we're going to see how the new person uh, deals, and 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 so on and so forth. But I'm just telling you like it is. The word that came down from on high, at the RNC level, the national level, was that we don't want to talk about elections. We don't want to talk about. 
uh, rigged elections or, or, or stolen elections or election integrity. Or, that's not a, a part of the platform that we want to use going into this election cycle. And that tells you almost everything you need to know about the RNC. And that tells you how they really feel about Donald Trump. And that tells you how the Republican donor money really feels about Donald Trump and how they feel about the MAGA movement. But most importantly, how they feel about the fundamental rights of American citizens and American citizenship. That's what it tells you. That's the signal from the noise. How they feel about Donald Trump, how they feel about MAGA, how they feel about America first, how they feel about, uh, you know, the Republican Party or the platform or the all of that is secondary. The most important word that encapsulates what the America First movement is about is citizenship. Citizenship, citizenship, citizenship. Citizenship is the most important intellectual development in the history of human civilization. Citizenship is the most important intellectual development in the history of human civilization. And that's the one word that encapsulates this America First movement. And what the, what the Republican National Committee, uh, not wanting to talk about election integrity, tells you is that they have a, a, a schism. They, they have a, a, a defect. They, they have a, a, a block. They, they have a, a serious uh, spirit of corruption and dishonesty when it comes to the basic fundamental rights of American citizens. We have a right to question the integrity of our elections. We have a right to demand that our elections are fair. We have a right to demand, to know, to audit, to, to, to track the chain of custody of votes. We have a right. We have a right. That's what the Civil Rights Act was fought for. Imagine we, we herald, we, you know, we, 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 uh, we prop up the civil rights movement that fought for the right for blacks to vote. And now we can't even tell whether the elections are secure or not. Doesn't that undermine what was fought for during the Civil Rights Act? Or it doesn't matter whether the, the elections are secure or not, as long as on paper we've been given the right to vote. And in this way, the conservative movement, the woke right, and the woke left, and the black bourgeoisie in between on both sides of the aisle play the exact same game where they're more interested in the presentation than they are the actual substance. They're more, in, they're more interested, they're more invested in the presentation of having rights than actually having rights. And that's got to change. And that's why this is a time for stern talk. All of the easy answers are behind us. All of the easy answers are behind us. There are no easy answers anymore. We're long past that. We're long past that. You know, you start to get a little toothache and you think to yourself, ah, I'll deal with it later. Right. And, and then, you know, before you know it, a piece of your tooth chips off. And, and then before you know it, uh, you know, you, you start to have that rotten smell in your mouth and you think, ah, well, I, you know, I, I'm too busy right now to go to the dentist or I don't like the dentist or whatever the case may be. And then before you know it, you, you know, you, you get to the dentist and, and he tells you that, the, you know, the, the, the reality. Hey, we can pull the tooth, you can lose the tooth or we can do a root canal. Root canal is going to hurt. We're going to numb you up, but I guarantee you it's probably still going to hurt. We could put you to sleep. What you want to do? All, all tough answers. All tough answers. That's where we are in this country. We can lose the tooth. <laughs> we, can, we can lose the republic. We can perform a root canal on the republic, right? Or, or we can put you to sleep and, and, and do a root canal or, or uh, lose a tooth. 
And I think some people want to be put back to sleep. I think some people believe that this is going to go back to normal. There ain't no going back to fucking normal. There ain't no going back to the way it was. Make America Great Again has nothing to do with, with this, this time in our country where, where the presentation was so good and we were so misinformed that we didn't realize the corruption that was taking place. That's not what Make America Great Again means. Make America Great Again is a fundamental statement about the prosperity and production of this country on the world stage. A value that, that, that could be measured by the American people for the American people, for American citizens, the value of our citizenship. That's what make America great again means. There was a time when this country was independent. It wasn't dependent on everybody else everywhere in the world. There was a time where America's power, where America's prosperity, where America's wealth, where America's well-being was rooted in things that were within our borders that we could control. There's nothing racist about that. There's nothing xenophobic about that. There's nothing homophobic about that. There's nothing isolationist about that. And I'm, I'm going to say, I spoke at the caucus, and, and, and we'll post a few, uh, a few sound bites from it, but I asked a simple question in the beginning of the speech. I'm not here for the pleasantries. I'm not here to rub you on your back, pat you on your head. I'm not here to, to tell you everything's going to be okay. I'm here to tell you the reality. I'll save all of that cuck talk for the, for the puppet politicians who the establishment pay to come before you and play this shell game of whack-a-mole of, of what puppet politician will we, will we elect next. I'll let them do that shit. I'm not here for that. And I don't give a fuck if you like it or not. And I don't give a fuck if you follow me or not. See, part of the problem is, before I get to what I said during the caucus, part of the problem is we seem to have this, this belief. We seem to have this belief that, that if, we, if we like the person who, who represents us, then we have a much better chance of them representing us. But where's the evidence of that? Mr. and Mrs. Facts don't care about your feelings. Where's the evidence that if you like the politician, that there's a better chance they'll represent you as a, as a, as a citizen, as an American citizen? The evidence is to the contrary. Most of the politicians that we liked, that we felt comfortable with, that, that, made, us, that made us feel secure and safe and, and, and gave us this sense of, of maturity, these motherfuckers got to Washington, D.C., and they sold you out at every single turn. And, and you get to a point where when, when, your rep, when your elected officials sell you out over and over and over and you still wear a smile and elect the same people, I have to believe you like it. Now, if, if, I, if I go with the evidence that, that generations of Americans have, have, have uh, basically liked being lied to by their by their phony puppet politicians, if I, if I take that on face value, which there's plenty of evidence to do, am I supposed to now become one of those politicians to win your vote? Am I supposed to become one of these groveling, weaselly, inauthentic little fucks to try and go around to the donors and see who I can get to write me checks to win your vote? Does the money even matter? Let's be honest. 
If you vote for money in this country, if you vote for the people who have the most TV ads, if you vote for the people who have the most billboards, if you vote for the people who make the most phone calls or send you the most digital emails or send you the most pieces of mail or, or, or literature or whatever the case may be, if you vote for the money, you might as well be a slave to China because that's where your fucking money is. That's where all the money is. But it's your money. It's your money that they're now going to recycle back through to the corporatocracy to write checks for special interests and lobbyists to keep the game going. And you, in the same position you were in every time the election season starts, and just like a hamster wheel, you just... That's my hamster wheel motion. I'm starting to get the hang of this thing, this podcast thing, and and now I'm realizing there's some great uh, gifts that are going to come out of this... Is that a good hamster motion? Is, is that going to make a good gift? I don't, I don't know. But I'll, that's you. That's a lot of you. Oh, you, you know, I had a person say online, oh, the vulgarity and tattoos. This is how crazy it gets. And this ain't in the conservative movement. This is the wacky left. And they're even more, they're even, they're even more comical to watch, I got to say. Or to be honest, equal, 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 equally comical. A person with the with the with the handle anarchy made the claim that the 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 three individuals who were obviously LGBTQ advocates that took a a picture with Governor Tim Waltz, one of them clearly being a transgender, big hawking man with a wig and 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 a big prison tattoo on his shoulder. I made the comment that I'm living in the parody of a con. This is a parody of a con. I mean, there's one thing to be conned, and, and there are some good con men and women, and there are some great cons, and there are some great long cons in history. I mean, there are some very sophisticated cons that have taken place throughout the history of, of human civilization. This is a parody of a con. And, and uh, to be honest, we're to blame. I mean, we the people are to blame. We, we can't escape that accountability and responsibility. We can point the finger all we want to, but the reality is, the parody of the con that we're living in where Governor Waltz could actually gain political capital by standing next to a man dressed as a woman as though that's a sign of his humanitarianism is a parody. We're living in a skit, a comedy skit, really. And I start to think that the MK Ultras and CIAs and all of these people are sick, sinister, twisted motherfuckers who are just laughing at us. But that's just me. I'm just a guy. Because I'd be laughing. I mean, if I constructed the thing, if, if I was in charge of the thing, and I saw how successful it was, and I saw Governor Tim Waltz of Minnesota standing up there, you know, with three LGBTQ advocates, like that's the biggest priority in American society, I'd be laughing. I'd be having a, I'd be, I'd be having a blast, you know, just, just, just watching how, how stupid people are. Okay, so this person, Anarchy, obviously with the pronouns in his bio, said that my vulgarity and my tattoos are unbecoming of a United States senator. And while I think it's almost absurd that a person with anarchy as their handle would seem to think vulgarity and, and tattoos are, are uh, you know, uh, somehow make me unqualified to be in a position of leadership, uh, what's funny about it is many in the conservative movement think the same thing. And when I say there's a fucking uniparty, you need to understand this is a primary example. And when I tell you that the, the, the far left and the far right are both controlled opposition, you need to understand this is the primary fucking example. See, because a person who, who is a real anarchist, who really believed in rising up against the government, 
for the sake of an anti-authority uh, worldview. They don't give a shit about vulgarity or tattoos. Never in the history of human civilization was there a group of anarchists or rebels that weren't vulgar and tattooed. Maybe they weren't tattooed, but it's the same ragtag, rough bunch of 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 of, of, of individuals, arch, archetypal, uh, um, archetypally throughout history. They were vulgar. They were brash. They had a sort of we don't give a fuck attitude, and that didn't make them righteous. Sometimes they were righteous. Sometimes they weren't. But it was the same sort of personality. A person with the name Anarchy is going to tell me I'm too vulgar to be in leadership? Guess what that tells me? The he, him, in the bio, far left or progressive or Democrat or liberal individuals on social media are either stupid, I mean literally uh, almost nearing uh, the, the, the low end of the IQ scale, okay, or they're controlled opposition. They're bots. They're in on it. These are accounts that are paid to say things that have no congruence. And it's the same on the far right. It's the same people who wrap themselves in the cloth of Christ, and then they want to talk about race. Then they want to talk about this being a white country. No, this is a Christian country, and Christianity isn't a white man's religion. It's just not. It just isn't. It's a Western Asiatic religion. It came from a Western Asiatic tribe. Jesus Christ, if anything, was Asian. He was, he was Middle Eastern. Yes, he was Western Asiatic, but it really doesn't matter where he was from geographically other than when it references it in, in Scripture. And, and, for example, at the Last Supper, Jesus Christ was, was remembering the Passover, which was a, a, a Jewish tradition, a Hebrew tradition that came from the Old Testament, obviously, from the Mosaic, the, the, the Mosaic Covenant. It's the cornerstone of the Mosaic Covenant. So there is some significance to it, but the, the overarching message of Jesus Christ was first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And Jesus Christ was a man whose message and whose, whose, whose essence, forget the message, the essence transcended race and, 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 and place and time and space and everything else. If you're really a Christian, but if you're a, 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 a controlled opposition shield posing as a Christian, you'll still find a way to take Jesus Christ and Christianity and turn it into some type of racial discussion. And then you'll drag people like me into it to have to talk about it from a racial standpoint because, hey, if you want to go to that part of the ring, then, then I'll, I'll gladly go to that part of the ring. But I don't much care about talking about race, that, you know, in, in fact. Unless I got white liberals who are going to tell me I should be scared of the KKK, the cops of the KKK, then I should call the cops when the KKK show up and give up my Second Amendment rights. Right? Well, well, then I got to talk about race, right? Because you're trying to use white people as a boogeyman. I'm not going for that. Or when you say this is a white country. But now I got to talk about race because I'm not stupid enough to believe that this is a white country. Controlled opposition. Do you follow? Do you, I, I, hope, I hope I'm making it simple enough for you. It's on both sides of the aisle and on the extremes. It is simply done to run people back to a more lukewarm, moderate middle to preserve the status quo. Look at Ilhan Omar. You don't want that extreme. So you're better off going with the Joe Biden. Or look at Nick Fuentes. You don't want that extreme. So you're better off going with the Mitt Romney. 
And this is how they keep stealing your fucking money. They're just scaring you psychologically. And it's so clear to see. A guy named Anarchy is going to tell me I'm too vulgar and too tattooed to be a leader. But I hear a lot of the same thing from the Christian right. The woke right and the woke left, uh, uh, you know, two sides of the same coin. So what I said at caucus to the, the, the Republicans who were there is empire. Empire. Tell me when in the history of human civilization, the empire paid the vassal states. Everybody looked at me like I had three eyes. But there were some there were some war room Bannonites in the in the in, in the building. Now, I talked to a, f- a few of them after the fact, and a few of them were familiar with the podcast. And if I'm not talking to you, I'm not talking to you. You know, sometimes it, we we learned in sports: if you're a good player, you're a good athlete, and you're not self-absorbed, selfish little prick. Okay, you learned long ago when the coach is talking to me, he's talking to everybody. Just because he said my name and he's talking to me specifically, it's a team sport. He's talking to everyone. Okay. If it doesn't apply to me, it doesn't apply to me. But chances are, if I'm on the team, I, I better be listening because it could apply to me. And sometimes it's talking specifically about something that you did, but it's still, it still, it, 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 it applies to everyone. Okay. It's, but it's not personal. Okay? So if it doesn't apply to you, then it doesn't apply to you. Then better, good for you. And there's always players on the team who certain things the coach says to one individual does not apply to them. Hey, listen, you're not hustling enough. I hustle more than everybody else. I hustle 99% of the time. Well, then it's not applying to you. But you better always remember to keep hustling because I'm telling him right now that the hustle is a big part of the deal, okay? So just, you know, this, even that sensitivity is like, well, why do you always be, talk down to the audience? Even saying that is a sort of admission that you don't recognize we the people are responsible for the state of the union. You still think there's a magic pill. You still think there's an easy solution. You still think there's an easy answer. You still think we're going back to normal. When you finally realize the normal that we came from was never normal to begin with, then we can go somewhere. Then we can get something done. Then we can save the republic. Empire. When in the history of human civilization did the empire pay the vassal state? Did the empire pay the 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 towns or, or the or the or the 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 kingdoms or 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 whatever the case may be? When did they pay them to protect them? Why did I start off with this? Because the neocon, the neocon stronghold on this party and this movement is exactly what's keeping us from winning. I go to a basketball game yesterday, my alma mater versus one of the schools in the inner city in North Minneapolis, North High School, uh, who I'm familiar with and grew up playing, and and they had some great basketball teams in their history, and Hopkins, we've had some great basketball teams in our history, and and so now that the the, the demographic of of the city has changed to where Hopkins has a very uh, prominent black student body, uh, you get a lot of crossover from North Minneapolis, which, which is just three exits down right there on uh, if you're going down 394 you can you can get off on Penn Avenue and and Penn Avenue 10 blocks down you're in North Minneapolis so it, Hopkins isn't really as far from North Minneapolis as you would think and, and so you have a lot of crossover uh, of of people who live in the same community and now we're here at a basketball game and the competition is on and, and that's all fine and regardless the basketball game aside we won 
that is what it is. Uh, but but my good friend and, and former colleague, Ricky Davis, who played in the NBA, is now the head coach at North High School, and it's always great to see him. I, I was able to share a, a few moments with him, and, and uh, I'm, I'm happy that he got the job and he's able to coach because I know he really loves the game. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's just a good – it was a good time. I had a good time at the game, and it was a coming-together community. But the, the, the most important thing that happened at the game was the number of black people now that come up to me and say that they appreciate what I'm saying and they they support what I'm doing. And the number one issue, the number one issue that there was a sort of consensus about, we don't want to keep sending our money everywhere else in the world. We got our own problems. We got our own things to deal with and pay for. We don't want to send a trillion dollars to the Ukraine. See, so there is a black vote out there for us to get. And Donald Trump has showed that. And, and, and maybe, maybe that's why the fucking rhinos and neocons don't like him. Maybe that's why they, 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 they talk like uh, uh, Donald Trump is unelectable, but really they, they don't want to have to go get that vote that's out there for the Republican Party as a whole. Maybe that's why. You tell me. You really think the neoconservative and rhino Republican establishment and the elite donors and the apparatuses and all the verticals, you really think they have such a, a huge problem with Donald Trump on a moral and ethical basis? Really? Really the former supporters of Dick Cheney and Donald Trump and Donald, I mean, uh, and, and George Bush and Donald Rumsfeld? You really think these people have a, a huge problem with Donald Trump on a moral and ethical basis? They, they don't like the way he tweets. They, they think that he's out of control. I'll, I'll tell you what was fucking out of control. What was out of control was lying that another country, another United Nations country, had weapons of mass destruction and sending our fucking sons and daughters to die in a fucking sand shithole in the Middle East. That's out of control. That was out of control. And the fact that they did it with a fucking smile and they did it in your name and they pretended it was to protect you, that's out of control. That is out of control, my fellow Americans. Okay. But now Donald Trump comes along. He makes it okay to criticize the Republican hierarchy, the, the, the Republican establishment. And they don't like him for that. And now they're saying they have a problem with his character. Nikki Haley, she, she's too stupid. Nikki Haley's too dumb to even give up the, 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 the shtick. I mean, well beyond, well beyond people calling it for what it is and, and, and her hearing the booze from the crowd, she's still going on with the shtick. She's still going on, and she actually admits the quiet part out loud. Huh, Donald Trump is going to be caught up in, in, the, in the legal, the, the, the financial lawfare from, from, from our enemies. And that's why you shouldn't vote for him. I mean, what what lack of sacred honor does it take to admit that the people who you want to follow and vote for you should give up because the enemy has corrupted the game? We should give up our support for Donald Trump because our enemies have corrupted the system against him. And we should trust you to change that when you want to be elected on that very basis. Fuck you. Oh, what the Anybody who would say, fuck you, you know, that that's unbecoming of a United States senator. You know what's unbecoming of an elected official in this country should be lying. Not the, not the words they choose to use, the things they choose to say, the, the substance of it, the spirit of it, the, the righteousness of it, the honesty of it. See, when I hear people talk about filth, when I see the Bible talk about filth, 
I know that lies are much worse than profanity. You don't believe that yet. And if I'm not talking to you, I'm not talking to you. But if I am, I certainly fucking am. If you don't believe that yet, go caucus with the Democrats. You're getting in the way. Sometimes you're on a team or be a kid on a team, talented, great kid, can do a lot of things with the ball, but becomes a cancer to the team. Why? His attitude, his mentality, his worldview. His worldview is selfish. It's self-absorbed. It's, it's not anchored in reality. It's not anchored in the context of the rest of the players or the rest of the team or the whole entirety of the game. Or maybe they just become a distraction. Maybe their selfishness is actually a distraction. Bye. We'll, we'll, we'll play. We'll lose if need be. We'll lose if need be rather than fall into a false sense of victory with people who don't really respect the game. People who don't really respect this country, people who don't really value freedom, people who don't really understand what it means to be an American citizen. What it means to be a Christian. The filth that comes out of people's mouth in this day and age is much more, much more relevant to the lies that they tell versus the words they choose to say. The Nikki Haley's of the world, the George Bush's of the world, these people don't like Donald Trump for one reason. One reason. He criticized the conservative hierarchy, the, the, the conservative talking heads. He criticized the Republican establishment for being in on the scam. That's why they don't like him. And even more dangerous than that, the most dangerous thing that Donald Trump represents is a, a, a sort of political worldview that is actually attractive, actually attractive to the other demographics of people who have become disparate under a conservative movement that has always been controlled opposition, that has for a long time served as controlled opposition. Oh, black people won't vote Republican. Oh, sure they will. If you, if you quit fucking lying, if you quit fucking getting in the way, if you quit uh, conspiring with the enemy to, to undermine Donald Trump and throw him in prison, and that's a lot of what has happened, I mean, quite literally. How many people from within Donald Trump's camp have turned, turned to the, you know, turned on him? <laughs> but the Democrats will say, oh, those are Donald Trump's people. Be why? Because they worked for him? Because at one point he trusted him? At one point, Hillary Clinton trusted Bill Clinton, too. See how that worked out. And I'm not, sending a, I'm, I'm not throwing a low blow. I'm just saying that things change and people change. And people's allegiances change. People's loyalties change. Some people were never loyal to begin with. And sometimes it takes a certain set of circumstances to find out how disloyal a motherfucker really can be. And that's what's happened here. A, a lot of what's happened here. And that's fine. We, we, we welcome that. But don't think we're stupid enough to buy your cheap fucking parlor tricks. Your surface talk. At least you can't come to this podcast with the surface talk. And that's why the, the Republican establishment, the Democrat Party, the Democrat and liberal establishment, the Democrat liberal elites, and, and, and many, many American citizens alike just can't stomach the shit that I say. They don't like it. They, it makes them feel uncomfortable. I said on my Twitter earlier, on X, 
My whole candidacy is about making the American people uncomfortable. My whole candidacy is to try and minister the truth to American citizens. Minister the gospel to American citizens. The value of American citizenship. That's the whole point of my candidacy, as too should be the point of every candidate's candidacy. But some people have other ambitions. I really don't. I actually don't. Those are my ambitions, to minister. And what I know is the mainstream media, the mainstream media will go out of their way to make sure that I never have a big platform. And exactly when the mainstream media starts to consolidate and, and conspire and use their position and power to silence the most important messages, the most important insights and, and, and discussions of the time is exactly when you all should run for office. Because the game is open and you make them close that door. You make them show you that they really don't represent the people by closing the door on every individual who has something to say, stepping up and running for office. Don't let them discourage you and tell you, oh, you don't have enough money. You don't have enough name notoriety. You don't have enough support from the same elites who are fucking you over and selling you out. Don't let them convince you of that. If you do, you're a coward. You're a coward if you let them tell you that. There's no surface talk over here. And, and, and back to my point, when I was at the game, the, the, the black, a uh, number of black folks come up to me and thank you for what you're saying. We appreciate what you're doing. And you're right. We don't need to be sending our money to everybody else all over the world. That tells us where the real America first, where the real America first opportunity is, doesn't it? And who's fighting that? Who's stopping us from, from, from exploring and, and, and pursuing the, the, the opportunity, the mathematical opportunity in the electorate around that issue? Who's stopping us from, from pursuing that? Oh, the United States Senate, when they pass a bill to send more money to the Ukraine. Fox News, when they, when they, when they talk, when, you know, when they fire Tucker Carlson, who's been critical of the war since the very beginning, the RNC and the rest of the Republican establishment who still believes in, in, in Atlanticism and that they're European. A lot of people are standing in the way of that. And you have to ask yourself, why? I mean, are you so invested in losing? I mean, what, what, what do you get out of it? I mean, we know the Lindsey Grahams and the, and the, and the John McCains and the, and the Amy Klobuchar's who are our rhino neocon extraordinaires. We, we know what they get out of going over and taking a, a picture with the Ukrainian president back in 2014. We know what they get out of it. Money. They get money out of it. They get job security out of it. They get support from the, the, the corporatocracy out of it. They get reassurance that they're going to be in a position of importance out of it. That's what they get out of it. What do you get out of it? What do you get out of following along? And there are a lot of people who follow along. You, you may wonder why I'm asking this, but I, but, but what you have to understand is Nikki Haley got 42% of the vote. What the fuck is going on there in South Carolina? Honestly, what is going on with the people of South Carolina? And you, you could say, oh, well, you know, we, we, you don't, don't berate people who you want to vote for. What? I mean, we really think this is a popularity contest. You people really believe that politics is and should be a popularity contest. It shouldn't be. American politics has to return to a, 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 an arena of ideas that's predicated on the unadulterated and very uncomfortable truth. 
And if it does not, we will lose the republic. I'll go further. We will not, we will not regain the republic. We've already lost it. I asked a question yesterday at caucus. You want to be an empire? All you neocon, all you boomer cons out there, you still believe in empire? You still believe in the post-World War II democratic liberal order? Fine. Okay, let's play empire. Okay, who makes your antibiotics? I asked these questions. China? Who makes the who makes the lug nuts on the on the F-16s and the B-1 bombers? China. My good friend Professor Penn was in the room. I, I looked over, I said, who makes the tires? Who, who, who makes a lot of the tires? China. So who's the fucking empire here? So if China's the empire, in actuality, why are we paying all these countries to protect them? If they all want to buy from China, if they all want to, if they all want to bend the knee to China, let them. If they don't like American uh, leadership, if they if they don't like democracy, if they, if they don't like the freedom of speech and, and, the, and the, the right to bear arms or the other ideas that America has tried to bring all over the world, l- let them let them do their own thing. All these European countries complaining, complaining and want our protection. But but they talk shit about Americans all the time. Go to Europe. They look down on Americans. They think they think they think poorly of Americans. And some of it is justified. Some of it is justified. I mean, honestly, if, if you're able to live a posh life in, in the hills there in, in, in Europe, in, in posh, luxurious Europe, if you're able to live a, a great, uh, peaceful, affluent, a sort of aristocratic life there in Europe, on the back of the American taxpayers while they bicker about race issues like the Black National Anthem at the Super Bowl, I guess you'd probably talk down about them too. Like those people are dumb. Look how dumb Americans are. And that's how they talk about us. And they talk about us like that all around the world, but they want to flood into our country. See, there's the hypocrisy. Oh, I'm not, I'm not giving them a pass either. Nobody gets a fucking pass because I'm not into the, see the thing that most, the, the thing that most lead, the, the, the crisis of our country and the crisis of the world, there's an epidemic of, 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 of self-doubt, and there's a crisis of leadership. We've become accustomed to leadership that tells, us, tells it to us a way that makes us feel good. They tell it to us and make us like them. I don't want you to fucking like me. I want you to believe me. I want you to believe me. And I don't think if I told it to you any nicer, you'd actually believe me. Not as far as we've come down the rabbit hole of lies and corruption and complicity. I don't think if I told it to you any nicer, you'd actually believe me or else I would. I'm generally a very nice guy. If you met me in public, I'm, I'm, I'm very nice. I'm, I'm a kind, approachable, very, very, you know, fun, loving, just kind of easygoing guy. But when it comes down to matters of saving a republic, when it comes down to the truth, to the nuts and bolts of what's been what's what's been done to us as American citizens and what's happened to the nation, there is no more time to talk nice. And if you believe that, if you still want a politician like Nikki Haley, then you're a part of the fucking problem and you deserve you deserve the emperor you get, the emperor you have. China's your emperor. China's your fucking daddy. The American government's just a proxy. They're just a proxy to collect your fucking money to send to China. And they're sending your money to China. And they're sending your money to China, yet China doesn't have to foot the bill to protect all these other countries. You're going to keep footing that bill too? Not only are they going to send your money to China, 
on a on a one to one transactional basis for goods and services. Then they're going to turn around and send more of your money to the rest of the world to protect them. You're a fucking slave. You're getting beat over the back. You're, you're getting fucked. They're fucking you. How else am I supposed to say it? Well, they're scamming you. They're conning you. They're taking advantage of you. They're manipulating you. They're misleading you. You know, however, you know, all these little mealy mouth fucking ways I can say it. But none of that gets through to you because people have been saying it. The reason why I'm backing up Steve Bannon is because Steve has tried to tell people in the most intellectually, uh, the most intellectually uh, uh, accurate and logical way possible. And I still don't think we get it. And it may, it may just be marginal, but there is a margin of error and there's a margin of defeat. And where that margin is, I'm going to come through and kick you, give you a swift kick in your fucking ass to let you know this is the reality. I was talking in caucuses and I said, tell me, tell me, what empire in the history of the world paid the vassal states? And let me explain this. I'm going to try to explain this to you as, as best as I can. Yes, in ancient times, when an empire paid a town or another kingdom or another village or, or whatever the case may be, uh, uh, when, 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 when they paid the empire for protection, there was an exchange of goods and services. Right? You pay us for protection, and we'll make sure that the people who live relatively close to you or anybody else won't just run through and take your shit and kill your, 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 your men and your military age boys and, and take your women for their own or, or, or your food or, or your homes or just come and occupy your, your village or your kingdom. We'll make sure of that. And now in order to make sure of that, they had to have a relatively big army, and that army had to be well-funded, well-equipped, ready for war, ready to at any moment to go in and protect their vassal states. And if they ever had to go and protect the vassal states, there would be food necessary, there would be, there would be transportation necessary, and all of that cost something. The, the, the problem with how we do it is the money that's paid to the empire covers the cost of any of those possibilities. The fee, the payment, the agreement, the deal between the vassal state and the empire has the vassal state paying their fair share to cover the costs of any potential protection that they would need. We're paying them to protect them. And the only, the only logical reason that I can conclude is that we view access to their military, to their intelligence, to their waterways, to their land. We view the access as equally valuable to any money they would pay us. That tells you something about the money. That tells you something about the money itself. But more importantly, it tells you about our ambitions and our interests in those places. And if our sole ambition and interest at this point in the history of America's economy and our foreign policy is to have access to everywhere in the world, that we protect, then what's the actual benefit? Where is the profit in that? The military itself 
The military itself is the scam. The military itself is the national interest. The ability to have access to those places for the military to be there so we can continue to justify taking taxpayers' money to fund the military. And it's $3 trillion a year. Every year, it's $3 trillion in the budget. They can tell you it's $900 billion. It doesn't count all of the other, uh, the other uh, appropriations and all of the black budgets and, and all of the money that gets siphoned off. It doesn't count the $2 trillion that, of, of inventory that go missing from the Department of Defense's audit. The military is the greatest example of globalism that exists today in American politics and in, in, in our American society. When they say defend the national interest, the military is the national interest. It's a, it's a vital national interest for the military to have the, the justification to be any and everywhere so they can continue to justify taking your money to fund it. What are we doing? What, what, what are we doing? What empire pays the vassal states for, for access? And even if, even if we wanted the access, the access is part of the deal. We're not paying you to have access. We're getting the access because you're, you need our protection. And they do need our protection. All of them do, obviously. That's why we sailed, sailed the Ford into the Mediterranean after October, uh, October 7th in Israel. That's why we sailed the, the Ford and our other, uh, you know, our other uh, um, aircraft carriers into the Mediterranean. They need our protection. Hell, the whole region needs our protection. To be honest, the, uh, the, the Middle East countries need our protection from Israel. And, and I think that people miss that, that part of it. We are, we are, the, the, we are the, 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 uh, the intermediary. We're the mediator. Our power is a mediator. And there's some value to that. I get it. I get it. But people got to fucking pay. Why are we paying Iran? Why are we paying Egypt? Why are we paying it? They should be paying us. We're keeping Israel from having to nuke y'all, to be honest. And we are. Because if we pulled out our... And this, see, this is the dirty little, this is the dirty little secret that, that the, 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 the intellectual elites of the Atlantis' new world order and the military-industrial complex don't, don't think that you're mature or adult enough or, or you know, that, 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 that you can... That you, you know, that the, whole, the whole line from the movie, and you, you can't handle the truth. The truth is, if we pulled out of Israel, Israel would be forced to use the most... The most the, you, Israel would be forced to use the most extreme kinetic measures to ensure their survival, which would probably mean nuclear. And so the whole justification is, the whole justification is we have to be there that, that the price we're paying to avert nuclear war is greater, is greater than what we're giving up. But the long game isn't being considered. When America crumbles, when America falls, when America is broken financially and then soon after militarily or even, let's say, morally as a people, as a country, 
or systematically from our politics when America is broken and can no longer function, the same thing's going to happen anyway. So we're just kicking the can. We just got that rotten tooth and we're thinking, oh, we'll deal with it later. Let's deal with it right fucking now. And Operation Prosperity Guardian, it ain't, deal, it, it, that ain't dealing with it. That's just trying to bully and, and buy some time. That's not dealing with the issue. The issue is if we pulled out, Israel would have to nuke every one of those countries around them that wanted to attack them, or they'd be even more brutal than, they, than, than, than it seems that they're being in there in Gaza by the, by the world standards. And I'm not defending Israel. I'm really not. My whole point is all of you need to pay. All of you need to pay us. Does that make me an isolationist? I'm not saying we can't be there. I'm not saying we can't help. I'm not saying we can't be the mediator, but you all have to pay. It's that fucking simple. You have to pay. And that's why they don't like Donald Trump, because he asks for a deal that favors us. They want to do a deal that favors everybody else, and they're spitting in your fucking face when they do it with a smile and tell you that he's the enemy and they're the savior. They're the protectors. All they're doing is kicking the can down the road, and you have to start to think. All of them are educated enough. All of them are smart enough. Hopefully, maybe not. But, but it would seem all of them are, are, uh, have enough critical and logical thought to realize that the end of the road is coming. And part of this turn to the fourth industrial revolution and technology and AI and robotics and automation is, is them trying to solve an issue that, ha that, that needs a much, a much deeper solution. You think you're going to be able to do AI and automation and robotics and that the, the enemies of democracy and liberal, and, 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 and liberal uh, society, liberty, you think, you think you're going to be able to do the fourth industrial revolution and the terrorists and the, and the, and the people who want to, uh, to, to, to seek, uh, to, to wreak chaos and violence on the world aren't going to have access to the same thing. Doesn't work like that. It doesn't work. Like, it's like trying to put gun laws on people who follow the law with the guns and, and thinking that the criminals aren't going to get it or the psychopaths. Of course they are. Of course they are. They wouldn't do it. Then you want to take, well, we'll take all your guns. Okay. Well then we'll, who's to say that the government's not psychopathic kill more people than anybody. Okay, the, this is what we mean when we say all the easy answers are behind us. We need real leadership. We, we need real, no-nonsense, tough nose, dirt under their fingernails, reasonable, logical, tough decision-making leaders. Now, you tell me out there who you, who you see. That, is Amy Klobuchar one? Is Amy fucking Klobuchar one? You, can you tell me why Minnesota Republican districts that voted Republican in the last, I don't know how many elections, somehow swung for Amy Klobuchar? Can you tell me why Republicans like Amy Klobuchar? Well, it's the same reason they voted for Lindsey Graham there in South Carolina. And the people there in South Carolina can come together in the forums and comment sections of a Fox News post and act like the, the, the crazies up in Minnesota who would vote for Ilhan Omar or whoever else are much different than the people of South Carolina. But they vote for the exact same fucking people. Amy Klobuchar and Lindsey Graham are the same person. They may not be the same person around God. They may not be the same person around the LGBTQ. They may not be the same person around abortion. And those are big issues. But where it matters most to them, 
not to you. Let's forget about what matters to you. That's how they get you. That's how they use your emotion against you. Where it matters most to them, they are the exact same person. Where it matters most to them, they are no different. One thing matters. One thing matters. Empire. Empire, defend the empire, and guess what? Not only are we going to defend the empire, we're going to defend the empire and lie to you about it. Because you're too stupid to, to, to know the truth. You can't handle the truth. I'm not willing to insult you like that. I think that there's something, there's something spiritually uh, decaying to a nation and a people when the government has to operate by lying to its, to its citizens. This is why John F. Kennedy says we are, we, we are fundamentally opposed to secret societies and, and secret dealings. A nation who wants to strive in the truth and righteousness cannot, cannot strive when there's so much secrecy and lies. And don't t- if the American people are too dumb to understand, then we failed. As a government, we failed as a nation. We failed to educate people in a way that reflects the seriousness and necessity of the information they have to comprehend in order to be American citizens. We failed. And if we don't address that, then we can't move forward. There's no way around that. You can't dance around it. You can't, you can't lie around it. You can't, you can't propagandize over it. None of that's going to work. We have to address the issue. There is a profound lack of transparency and honesty that has come from the American government and other institutions for the people, we the people, to help you understand the real gravity and nature of what's going on here in the world and how it affects you as a citizen. That's what a fucking leader would come to the microphone and say. Exactly what I just said, that would be real leadership. If you need an example or a bar or a standard to to measure these motherfuckers by, that's it. That's what a real leader would say. For too long, the American, the American government, for too long, America has operated in, 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 in secrecy and lies and dishonesty. And we've undereducated or miseducated our people so that the, the, the two really have no compatibility. The two have no intellectual compatibility. The esoteric jargon you would have to be initiated in to understand military deterrence all over the world and how it affects the economy and the dollar is is so sophisticated now that your average American citizen doesn't understand anyway. So why tell them? All we're going to do is confuse them. All we need them to do is keep buying shit, keep working, keep buying shit, keep paying taxes. That's your little slice of the American dream. Is that the American dream? Honestly, is the American dream radical materialism? We have to decide right now. Is the American dream radical materialism and you working and buying and paying taxes in this sort of blissful ignorance? Is that, what, is that the height of being an American? Is, is that what our founding fathers saw for us? Is that who our founding fathers were? You couldn't write the sort of intellectual ideas that our founding fathers did if that's all they were interested in. You wouldn't need to, and they didn't need to. They were already in a position of power. You think they needed to spend the time to come up with those type of profound intellectual ideas to continue being slave owners? Why? They didn't need to go out of their way to articulate these ideas with that type of detail to keep running the show. They were already running the show. 
those types of ideas, those types of ideas have a profundity that 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 fundamentally rejects the notion that the human existence can be whittled down to price and and consumption and 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 materialism. So when you hear people on either side of the aisle talk about American citizenship or the human existence writ large as though it's some material mathematical uh, thing, it's un-American. There's nothing American about it. When I hear Nikki Haley talk about the election as, as some some mathematical strategic affair where where if Donald Trump is is going to be is going to be bogged down with with legal issues and 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 he can't reach certain voters because of the way he talks and the, anything that has anything to do with the, the, other than the truth. When I hear people like her talk about un-American. When I hear liberals and Democrats and black folks talk about, uh, you know, well, uh, money and uh, look, un-American. Should we be sending our money to another place, uh, every other place all around the world? No. But the, it's the why. It's the why that's so important. Boundaries. A man without spiritual and physical boundaries, borders is a man that is doomed. A nation made up of men without spiritual and physical boundaries is a nation that is doomed. And a nation that doesn't prioritize its border and its physical and spiritual boundaries is a nation that is doomed. And we can walk around and pretend like we're the empire. We, we can play like we're the big dog in, uh, you know, on the playground. Like we're the like we're the big kid on the playground, like we're king of the hill. We can play like that all we want to. But you're only doing it for your own ego. Because China's the big fucking dog on the playground. They're the king of the hill. We pay them. We're the tributary state. We're the vassal state. We're the vassal state, and they're letting us pretend like we're the protector, like we're the world's police. And we're happy to play that role. First, we were willing to pay it for the British Empire. Now we're playing it for the Chinese Empire, for the CCP Empire. It disgusts me. And there's no other fucking way to say it to you. There's no nice way. There's no nice way to say that you've willingly participated in the, in the, in the dis destruction of this nation, your freedom, and your citizenship. There's no nice way to say that. And I don't mean to talk to you like my child, but when my child goes to, 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 to you know, make some obscene gesture that is, that is completely unacceptable and out of character, there's no nice way to say it sometimes. Straighten your fucking act up, kid. I, I will give you a fresh one. Straighten your fucking act up. Right now. But nobody wants to talk to you like that. Nobody wants to give the American people that, that much-needed pep talk. Everything is always, you know, either, you know, uh, false promises, empty promises, or it's this kind of a, a hoorah, you know, this, this kind of a rally talk around these, these superficial talking points. We got to get over that. I could come out to a, a rally or to a caucus speech and talk about how the LGBTQ is, is out of control and they're perverting our children and they're, they're attacking Christians and, and, and they're making a mockery of, of this reverse racism with white folks. And, and all I could talk about that until the day, until, in, until, until the cows come home. I could talk about that all day long. 
but it still won't be getting at the root issue. The root issue is that what it means to be an American citizen is fundamentally lost in us, not them. They intentionally, they intentionally gave up what it means to be an American citizen. We're doing it out of ignorance or convenience or whatever, whatever the reason is. But you cannot claim to be a patriot. You cannot claim to, to value American citizenship and freedom and give over your freedom for security. And that's the whole problem with this vassal state empire deal. That that's the whole problem is they want to tell you that they have to do these deals with the vassal state so that you can continue to be a work by tax vessel. That's not what your that's not what your founding fathers had in mind for you. That's not what it means to be an American. The human existence cannot be cannot be reduced down to working, buying and paying taxes. Hell, if that's the case, then Karl Marx was right. If we allow our existence to be reduced down to working, but purchasing and paying taxes, then we have ma we've made Karl Marx right. But the human existence is about much more than that. But but you have to believe that you have you, you have to know it. You have to have that faith. And if you fail, if, if, if you fail, if, if you fail to have that that faith, that the human existence is much more than that, then you deserve to be a slave. Just like they say, if you trade your your freedom for security, you deserve neither and you will have neither. If you don't have faith that the human existence is more than materialism, then you deserve to be a slave and you will be a slave. And right now you are a slave, whether you realize it or not, whether you want to accept it or not. I asked yesterday, who, who in here, who in here like George Bush? And I had two people raise their hand. That shows me something. People are now starting to be afraid to admit that they ever liked George Bush. But there's still a few people out there. Who, who openly admit they like George Bush. And that tells you that the, 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 the machine, the, mach the propaganda from the machine still has some juice to it. And what we have to realize is that there is a, there's, a, there's a time horizon here. There's a window of opportunity for us to make a real move, to steer this ship back in the right direction, to course correct. We still have time to course correct. There's hope. There's hope. I don't, I don't do the hopeless nihilist thing. I do the real thing. If you don't work harder, same as sports. Same as sports. You're not working hard enough. That's just it. You're not going hard enough. You're not, you're not focused enough. It doesn't mean enough to you yet. And guess what? It, it, you'd be surprised. And, and as a sportsman, I guess I just understand this. I guess I just innately and, and, and inherently have this sense of, of how small the margin of, of, of being good versus great really is. The margin of error. And the margin of error is small, but the difference it makes is huge. One play, the game, the winning and losing comes down to a single possession sometimes. Literally, if you're playing to a score and, and you lose by two or three points, that's a single possession. A single possession. Even if you lose by four points, let's say you lose by six points. That's a that's a, a, a Two possession game. 
Let's say you lose by four points. It's it's a one. It's still a one possession game because a, 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 a made basket or a stop would have resulted in you going into overtime and the game continues. Sports, most sports like basketball is a game of possessions, single possessions. And you'd be surprised how a little bit more effort in a particular place on a particular possession can change the outcome of the entire game. That's why they call them game-changing plays that change the momentum. It changed the team morale. It changed the score. It, it, it changed the, 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 the dynamic in some way. Game-changing plays. We are now in a moment where we are, we are under the pressure of game-changing moments. How much effort will you put in? How much time and energy will you put in? But most importantly, how, how, much, how much honesty will you put in? How much of telling yourself that uncomfortable truth are you willing to, to participate in? The uncomfortable truth, that's not good enough. It's not good enough. Who are you to tell me it's not good enough? Look at the fucking results. Look at the fucking results and you tell me is it good enough? Does the CCP still control all of our essential supply chains? Yes, they do. Is the American economy still riddled with debt when we have all of the natural resources to be a productive country, an equity country? And I'm not talking about social equity. I'm talking about economic equity. We have all the natural resources and ingenuity we need to be a, a, an asset-based economy, not a debt-based economy. We once were the richest nation in the world because of our assets, and we still could be. Without the cobalt from the Congo, without the oil from, the, from Saudi Arabia, without the, 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 you know, the, the uh, sea salt, the, the, the salt from the Dead Sea. But we have to believe that, and we have to prioritize that. And any fucking leader who steps up who doesn't have those priorities, we need to reject. It's very simple. It's not hard. It's not difficult. Stop letting them make it more difficult than it needs to be. Here, we're up two points. We're in the, the later stages of the game. We're, we're at the end of the game. We're up two points. We have to get a stop. We have to get a stop right here, right now on this possession. We cannot let them score the ball. That's it. That is it. If you let them score the ball, it wasn't good enough. And we talk about competition, but we don't view American politics and we don't view saving this republic as the competition it really is. We don't bring that same level of, of competitive, uh, you know, kind of a, a gritty, tough nose unadulterated truth and practicality and, and, and pragmatism that we do in the business world. In the business world, oh, we can't wait to justify, did you make enough money or not? Are you making enough money or not? Is there a profit or not? What are the returns? Oh, ROI. I, I can't tell you how many times I hear these corporate elites and, and these, these, these uh, you know, these bourgeois sort of, you know, uh, affluent, Omnisexual, yuppie, corporate types talk about ROI, return on investment. Oh, it's all about return on investment. 
when we're in some corporate boardroom talking about some some tech company or some NGO, but or whatever. What's the return on investment for Plan Empire? Let's ask the most basic question. $34 trillion in fucking debt. $172 trillion in unfunded liabilities. That's our return on investment for the globalist business model and the globalist agenda that they've deployed, that they put in motion. That's the return on investment. That's the return on investment for you, the American citizens. When you are born and you get a social security number, you become a part of the corporation that is America will put your board of directors on trial. Put your board of directors and your C-suite on trial. Your politicians, they're in the Senate, they're in the Congress, they're in the executive branch, they're in the judicial branch. Put them on trial. Where is the return on investment for American citizens? Don't just talk about return on investment when it comes to the corporate world. And then when we get to politics and, and the value of citizenship, now all of a sudden it's, it's, it's bigger than return on investment. It's about democracy. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck the horse you rode in on. This shit is about return on investment. This shit is about value. And the value for us as American citizens and as Christians as a higher a higher meaning and substance than material. And when we put those people on trial, we have to factor in that, that higher substance, that, that, that higher meaning. And if we don't, we're slaves. If we don't, we're slaves and we deserve every bit of it. It's been another episode of Please Call Me Crazy. Brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us. Help fund the movement. Help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I'm your host, Royce White, here from the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Don't forget to tune in this Friday. We're going to do another episode of Hebrews. A.J. Barker and I are due to do another episode uh, as well, another podcast as well, so maybe that'll happen this week. Maybe we'll have a special episode this weekend. No basketball this weekend. My son's state tournament is next weekend. They're the number one seed in the top tier, so they're the number one ranked team in, in the state of Minnesota at the seventh grade. That's cool. That's a, a, an accomplishment for sure. Uh, so we'll see if they can they can finish the season the, the, the way that they – they should on paper as the, as the best team and uh, win a state championship next weekend. This weekend, I'm off for the first weekend in a long time. And uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting a podcast in and having a special weekend episode. I know it's been a while. Um, Real America's Voice, Saturday morning, 9 a.m. to lead off for the War Room, the great Steve Bannon. Uh, so make sure that you tune in for that. Friday's Family and Friends. Make sure that you... Download the John Fredericks Radio Network, and, and you can listen to my radio show that premieres or airs at 9, a, at 9 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. And uh, we are just about at the point where the first 25, 26 episodes of the radio show will be on the Royce White USA YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed, please go subscribe uh, in preparation for, for the release of the, 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 the radio uh, shows. Um, I hope that YouTube will allow me to use the copyrighted music that we use on the radio show because I'm not trying to monetize uh, those episodes at all. In fact, I, I have an aversion to me, and I'll say this to finish. Again, if you vote for money, 
you deserve to be a slave. If you vote for money, if you, if you let the money fool you, then you've traded your freedom to the highest bidder. And the highest bidder may be one person a day and another tomorrow, but it's still the same net result for you. You're a slave. I appreciate your viewership and your listenership today and in the future. I have a lot of hope for this country. I have a lot of hope that this movement, the, the MAGA movement, the America First movement, will be the, the force multiplier and the, and the ideological backbone of, of the future of this country. There's nothing wrong with being a nationalist. There's nothing wrong with being America first. There's nothing wrong with, with wanting to have a border, wanting to have a country, wanting to have the value of your citizenship be protected by the, the, the people you elect to represent you. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Don't let them tell you there, that there is. The fight continues. Don't die a jerk off. And as always, Godspeed.